From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is the KZYX News for Thursday, February 10th. I'm Sarah Reif. With the international movement to return tribal lands picking up steam, a local tribe is strategizing how to have more of a voice in the management decisions of Jackson Demonstration State Forest, which one ethno-historian argues is an indigenous cultural landscape in its entirety. You have to get out of the mindset of just a site and into understanding how the whole environment was a site. The Coyote Valley Band of Pomo Indians has sent a letter to Governor Gavin Newsom's office requesting a moratorium on all timber harvest plans during tribal co-management and management plan revisions. The Board of Forestry decided last year to revisit the management plan to address Native American concerns about biological and cultural resources. Polly Gervin, who's authorized to represent Coyote Valley in government-to-government consultations, spoke earlier this month about the main disruption to tribal sites during logging operations. All of the sacred sites at Jackson State Forest have been systematically and consistently damaged and re-damaged by road-building activity. Um, Back in 1999, the state commissioned a report. The Betts reports had archaeologists out here surveying for the sites. It was, they were in such appalling state that the archaeologists working for the state said there should be no more cutting around these sacred sites until you resurvey their boundaries and until you come up with a road maintenance plan that will protect them in the future. JDSF is unceded tribal territory associated with Pomo and Coast Yuki tribes. There are village sites and evidence of campsites throughout the forest. A waterfall known to have been used for purification has been compromised. But ethno-historian Victoria Patterson, who's filled several volumes with oral histories of local Native American people and curated an interactive exhibit at the County Museum about tribes, says the forest is more than just a few sites. The area was used for literally thousands and thousands of years. And it was used by hundreds of people walking back and forth to the coast yearly or biannually or even more frequently to gather resources that were available on the coast or to trade inland resources to coastal resources. Um, And as they traveled across, of course, they're walking. And so they were camping and they were spending the night and they were gathering things as they walked around. And then they went to the coast where they had summer camps usually and drying seaweed and fish and so on. And then you had the return to lowland villages in the wintertime. And so it's not just like, you know, we would go to the coast for the weekend and then come back to our home. The whole thing was the home. The whole thing was part of a life cycle, a a yearly seasonal round, if you will, of gathering. Gervin says that's significant in light of policies stemming from a 2019 governor's order pursuant to a state policy edict that came out after the creation of the Truth and Healing Council, all state lands that were form, that are the ancestral territory of tribes can be co-managed by the tribes, and that is in now the governor's 30 by 30 uh, policy plan. It goes so far as not just co-management, but actual return of state lands to tribes. Patterson hopes more historical understanding will lead to a wider variety of protections. What do you think should be the appropriate response to this knowledge? Well, I think there needs to be more archaeology done in Jackson State demonstrations for us. Every time they do it, from around Camp 20, where they discovered suddenly all of these these uh, living sites, Three Chop Village hasn't been totally excavated or investigated. We're just 
discovering more and as dating techniques become more technical and more uh, accurate, we begin to see the record go back and back and back, you know, of, of, of when people lived in, in those places. The idea is to protect the forest, to protect not only the trees, but also the cultural resources, which involve not just the plants and the animals and the basketry materials and the medicinal materials, but also the, uh, the cultural connection to those places, the spiritual connection to those places, the mythological connection to those places. All of that has to be considered in a cultural landscape. And how do you think that this knowledge could contribute to efforts to work on tribal co-management and more tribal control over the, the land that they historically used? The idea is to create a conversation between Cal Fire, in this case, and the tribes to determine what activities should take place and how they should take place within the forest. You know, what does it mean to run a bulldozer through a house site? You know, what does it mean to destroy a so-called lithic scatter, which is of no merit monetarily, to take away that knowledge from, from the people whose people it, it was? This is a historical moment for tribes. Indigenous land returns are happening everywhere, including on the Mendocino Coast. You have the example of over 500 acres being added to the Cinquione Intertribal Wilderness Area by the Save the Redwoods League, which just happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, also, you have the new um, tribal nonprofit being formed to manage Blues Beach from um, Caltrans. And it happened a number of years ago to Kashaya. Kashaya tribe got back some of their land. So this is a movement going on everywhere because it's the right thing to do. The, the land was stolen from, from Native people. Coyote Valley Chairman Michael Hunter will lead tours of JDSF at the end of the month on Sunday the 27th and Monday the 28th. For KZYX News, I'm Sarah Wright. For all our local news with photos and more, visit kzyx.org. You can also subscribe to the KZYX News Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.